I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry, Angry Neighborhood, Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Yeah, And we are long distance recording once again. Isn't it the worst, <laughs> Keegan? It's just like weird and yeah. like kind of hard and it always sounds like a little off yeah. I feel like <laughs> Max and I this whole week we've been here we've had the best vacation I think I've ever had in my entire life and we're like okay what if we just don't go home what like what if we live here now <laughs> yeah for real we're like okay I could record long distance he could you know like work we could both work as like skating coaches and like we'd make this work and then we're like but no. <laughs> I think about that all the time. I, I feel like anytime you get out of LA, you get nostalgic mm-hmm. for other places. Yeah. But well, then the reality of actually leaving is like... <laughs> I would just miss... I would miss the people more than anything, honestly. Like, it's my community that I would have the hardest time leaving because, you know... So I'm in Sun Valley, Idaho right now. We haven't said that yet. And I've been coming out here since I was 12. And my skating coaches are here um, her, her children, the kids that she coaches. And it's just been, we've done so much in every day. Our bodies are so sore, but we've had the best time. It's going to be so hard to leave, but. Well, that's good. That's what vacation's for. I know. So great. So (laughs) Keegan, do you want to kick us off tonight and then I'll go second? Sure. Okay. So I was very relieved to find out at the end of last week that we were not at war. (laughs) Did you see the thing where they were like, "Uh, Donald, what do you think we're going to go to war with Iran? And he's like, hope not. (laughs) 
he's like, maybe. Guess we'll see. Like, yeah. that was kind of his answer to everything. Yeah. It's just kind of a shrug and like, I don't know, maybe. Which is the worst thing you could possibly have out of your world leader or like your, you know, national leader. It's right? Just like, I don't know. Maybe I'll start a fucking nuclear war. Maybe. Maybe not. We'll see. It depends on how I feel on Wednesday. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and that's, it is kind of what happened here. So yeah. let's go into a little bit about what happened with this situation with Iran. Okay. So this all kind of started because Iran shot down a drone. Yes. They claim was flying over their airspace. Now, the United States will say that it was flying over neutral airspace. It wasn't flying over their airspace. And so they took this as an attack because they shot down this drone. drone. And, you know, granted, this drone is like, you know, tens of millions of dollars in military equipment. Right. So, But that doesn't necessarily mean it's like an attack. Right. They took it to be an act of aggression. But like, you could, like, I feel like that's one of those things that first you like look into it and have some sort of discussion with those people. You know what I mean? You you get more information. You don't immediately alert the, it seems like it was alerting the public and like, this is a national threat. Like, and it kind of well, created this yeah, panic. They're, they're itching for a fight with Iran yeah. is what's happening yeah. here. So back whenever, I think it was like a year ago or so, Trump got rid of the Iran nuclear deal. Yeah. And when he did that, he put a bunch of sanctions on Iran that has really fucked up their economy pretty right. badly. And so this deal, it was like several countries had come together and basically like opened up sanctions. And it was so that um, they would stop producing these chemicals that were used for nuclear weapons. Yeah. You know, they were like, hey, you know, we'll make things easier on your country, but you have to promise to stop. I think it was like uranium or something like you have to stop, you know, creating this. And then Trump was just like, no, I think we're going to pull out of that deal for no real reason, I think, except for that it was something that Obama had put into place. Right. So he pulled out of that and then tightened sanctions on Iran, which is just basically they're in an economic crisis right now. Mm -hmm. So they're in a really, really like difficult position, which has caused like rising tensions. However, the um, president or, or whatever his name is, Supreme Leader, whatever his title is in Iran has basically been like, I don't want to have a conflict with the United States. Right. I don't want to have a conflict with Trump. Like you stay in your lane. I'll stay in my lane. But then a couple of weeks ago, we accused Iran of like stealing something from like oil tankers, even though there's okay. no real proof of that. And there's like a video that shows them, you know, doesn't actually show anything, but they've managed to like manipulate the video, like uh -huh. speed it up and play it backwards <laughs> to make okay. it look like they're stealing things out of these like oil tankers. Okay. So that kind of started with picking the fight. And so there was, like, some back and forth going on at that point. And then whenever they shot down our drone that was in their military space, Trump was basically like, we're going to go to war. Yeah. Over this situation, which is ridiculous. Very. You know, we're talking about a country that has nuclear weapons, and we don't need to, like, very lightly go into war with them. Yeah, you should take so, it very seriously. Yeah, you should take it very seriously. And you know what else you should do? Maybe check and see how many civilians are going to be injured. Right. More than 10 minutes before you're about to strike. So what happened was on Thursday, Trump 
says, so he tweeted, which is the worst thing you could possibly do in That's a situation all like this. he does. I know, but it's so unprofessional. But he tweeted, On Monday, they shot down an unarmed drone flying in international waters. We were cocked and loaded to retaliate last night <sighs> on three different sites when I asked, How many will die? 150 people, sir, was the answer from a general. Ten minutes before the strike, I stopped it. Not proportionate to shooting down an unmanned drone. I'm in no hurry. Our military is rebuilt, new, and ready to go by far the best in the world. Sanctions are biting, and more added last night. Iran can never have nuclear weapons. Not against the USA, and not against the world, in all caps. So he's basically saying that he was locked, cocked, ready to fucking go with these bombs, essentially, missiles. And 10 minutes before they were set to strike, he was like, how many people are, are innocent people are going to die? And they were like, 150 civilians will die. And then he was like, you know what? Never mind. But I'm going to put even tighter sanctions on Iran. So yeah. um, recently, he put even tighter sanctions on Iran. We're basically just like cutting off the air supply of their economy okay. right now, uh, which is horrifying but he very recently as of today or yesterday i think it was maybe yesterday where he got on twitter and said warned iran that their forces would be facing obliteration if they attacked any americans so it's basically been this back and (sighs) forth where iran doesn't want to go to war but also we are cutting off supplies to their country yeah and causing unrest in their country. Which is, I feel like, eventually going to mean war. Right. I mean, right? And we moved troops there as well. Like, yeah. We've already moved troops to Iran, or we're moving to move them there. So, right. We're antagonizing to the point where that's probably what's going to happen. And yeah, we don't need a fucking another war in the yeah. Middle East. And I feel like people think that Iran and Iraq are the same, and they're not. They're not. And a war with Iran would be a lot more devastating to us than a, a war with Iraq. So, right. So we can hope that that doesn't happen for now. I mean, <sighs> I'm glad we're not at war. Right. But, but I, I mean, and that's the thing is that I feel like Trump is so, I feel like he wants a war. I feel like it reminds me so much of when I was a kid and, and George W. Bush, like he, he really wanted a war. And the fact that, you know, and, the, and when we were watching the news and they're like, hey, are we going to war with Iran? And he's like, hope not. And it's like, no, you want you're he, the president. He wants you can make a call on this, of course. But also, it's like I feel like there are presidents that want to leave their legacies, but they want to leave their legacies in different ways. To me, it's like Trump really hasn't done a lot of his promises that he made in his campaign. So it's like he almost wants to leave this weird legacy, this well, weird mark. Right? It's a fact that wartime presidents are more popular. Like, your popularity will go up during yeah. wartime because, in general, people feel more patriotic. Yeah. Um, so I kind of feel like that's probably what he is itching for right now. Right, because his popularity is not not the best. It's on the decline right now, which is really bad going into 2020. Yeah. So that would be my guess, is that he is itching to kind of start a fight with... Well, he Iran. has to do something to to keep his followers with him. 
and a lot of and a lot of his other things are not working that he's promised. So I feel like he's like, okay, what's the next thing I can do? What's the next thing I can do? You know? Yeah, I mean, and I think that this whole thing about like, oh, I'm such a compassionate, empathetic person that I stopped this no. situation from happening uh, because I didn't want innocent lives to be lost. It just flies in the face of everything else that this administration has done and is currently doing. Right. But it's also a very odd move because it has divided Republicans in their opinion about what, whether or not that was a good call. Because, of course, you have a lot of people who are just like, Nah, fuck around, yeah. mom. Yeah. You know, like, and so he's kind of not angering that base, but he is, he's divided his base a little bit by doing that. So right. I don't know. I guess we're going to see how it plays out. But yeah. It's not, I don't want to fucking, we're not even out of the last war we joined. Yeah. We need to take a fucking break. Well, let's talk about something else that Trump is in and out of, and that is the ICE raids. So we posted something on our Instagram earlier this week, uh, warning people in certain cities and um, encouraging people to um, speak out about about sightings of ICE officers, I guess you call them, right? Officials. Officials, yeah. I'm not yeah. sure exactly. And agents. Agents and um so I did a little bit of research and they said, um, this is a CNN article. It said President Donald Trump announced Saturday that he's delaying for two weeks um, on the U.S. immigration and customs enforcement raids that were planned to take place on Sunday in 10 major U.S. cities, saying deportations will proceed unless Congress finds a solution to the U.S.-Mexico border. Trump tweets, at the request of Democrats, I have delayed the illegal immigration removal process, deportation, for two weeks to see if the Democrats and Republicans can get together and work out a solution to the asylum and loophole problems at the southern border. And then he says, if not, deportations start, exclamation point. ICE plans on arresting and deporting up to 2,000 people in 10 major cities. ICE director Mark Morgan praised Trump for postponing the raise because it would help the members of ICE become better prepared. So I was reading other articles about the fact that they were saying that if because he said it pretty quickly, he was like, we're, you know, I'm sending this out this day. Next week, we're going out. And the ICE agents, officers, whatever you want to call them, are basically like, this could be dangerous for us. Not worried about the families that are being held captive and being treated like animals. They're like, oh, this could be really dangerous for us. So while Trump is saying, you know, oh, the Democrats made me, I think also, you know, that that far right wing is saying like, oh, we need to protect ICE, basically. So someone says, um, I can't remember who, it might have been Mark Morgan that said, the men and women I've served with are true American heroes. And so what the president did, he recognized that. So he postponed to protect them. Oh, yeah. Nancy Pelosi says, these families are hardworking members of our communities and our country. The president's action makes no distinction between a status violation and committing a serious crime. And then Trump says... These are people that come into the country illegally. They've been served. They've gone through the through a process, a process of courts, and they have to be removed from the country. They will be removed from this country. Okay, first of all, they're not going through a process of courts. Yeah. Um, because especially with the children in, in custody yeah. who are being detained right now, there was recently something passed that 
removed their right to legal counsel as well as to proper education. Yeah, he's he's saying that these people things. have already been arrested. And that so so they've already been arrested, so they're like on the lam is what he's kind of making it sound detained like. Detained and being tried are not the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, th- th- is he saying that they've been tried in American courts? Because I don't. I, I, it sounds like utter bullshit to me. It's not anything that I'm taking seriously. Yeah, I don't know. My brain is barely working right now. But I, I mean, that doesn't <laughs> same that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, you know, that doesn't quite make sense to me. Um, it's just a really sad state of affairs right now. And there's a lot of like quibbling that I've had to deal with on social media in particular, where people aren't wanting to use the words concentration camp (laughs) when discussing the situation that these children are finding themselves in and these families are finding themselves in. But, you know, particularly the children, although it shouldn't matter the fact that anyone is experiencing this kind of inhumane behavior is ridiculous and devastating but the the children in particular you know people don't want to say that the facilities that they are in are concentration camps yeah and they are they are by definition by definition they are in concentration camps the united states Mm -hmm. is holding children separated from their parents in concentration camps without any promise to be reunited, without any promise of education or health care or proper legal due process. That is what we are doing in this country. And it's really, really upsetting to me because I've had a lot of people on social media, progressives, you know, I would consider them to be like bleeding heart liberals. Yeah. Saying things like, what has America become? We are better than this. And I'm like, you know what? I don't actually think we are better than this. I think that this is standard fucking par for the course shit. Every couple of, you know, decades, we choose a group of people to decide these people aren't people. And we don't have to look at them like we would look at our neighbor or somebody who looked like us. Yeah. I was in the car on my way to... um runs marriage with my mom today and she asked me what we were talking about tonight and I was explaining to her a lot of this and she just said she was like Trump sounds a lot like Hitler you know yeah. I just it, I it, mean I'm, I'm like well you know he's not as smart but you know um maybe well, the people underneath there's, him are. there's that and I I mean I get what people are saying when they say like we have now decided that concentration camp and extermination camps yeah you know holocaust extermination camps are one in the same. No, and they're not. And they're not. But I think what I think what she was meaning and I think what a lot of people have the intention with is is what exactly what you said is choosing um, a per- a group of people to target and creating national fear and turning the American people or turning the country's people against a certain group of people, which I don't think that they should be autom- automatically compared to what we think of as, you know, concentration camps, extermination camps, but I believe that there are parallels between profiling a certain group of people and, and creating fear around them. Right. I mean, they, and, you know, they are by definition concentration camps. And that's they are. That people are just going to have to get used to hearing mm-hmm. is concentration camps existed long before uh, the Holocaust and they have existed long after. Yeah. And that is what is happening right now. And in fact, I but think it is a very poignant a- image for people to have in their heads to, I think, give give them some fire in their bellies to do something about it. You know, 
Right. I mean, you have to open your eyes to this situation. There have been so many articles written now about what it's like inside these camps. Yeah. These kids are... You've got seven-year-olds taking care of infants. No one's allowed to change their clothes. All of their clothes are, like, crusted. They yeah. don't have proper um, diapers for toddlers. It's horrific It's conditions. absolutely awful. And it's happening. You want to build this fear around this group of people, but why would they risk this kind of danger? You're, you're talking about people who are fleeing violence. Yeah. The vast majority of these people are people fleeing violence, you know. Yeah. And so where is our compassion? And it just bothers me so much There's because none. I hear people There's talk no about like, no. And you hear people, Americans all the time talking about the Holocaust or talking about like going on mission trips and helping kids in Africa. And it's just like we got people coming to our own fucking country that need help right now. Exactly. And we're lock- we're s- pulling them away from their families as babies and locking mm-hmm. them in cells. Yeah. It's fucked up. It's 100% clearly fucked up. So a senior Democratic aide says Trump is trying to create leverage in a situation where he has none, adding it won't work. Raids had been planned in Atlanta, Baltimore, Chicago, Denver, Houston, Los Angeles, Miami, New Orleans, New York, and San Francisco. So right now they are being postponed, but not for long. He's kind of put like a two-week waiting period on there because he's like we're going to negotiate and whatever so for people especially in the cities that i just mentioned be very aware of what's going on in your cities um get as much information you can about the rights of those people and help educate people around you because there are certain rights that they have that they need to be educated on Keep an eye out. Post on Instagram when you see things. Keep everybody informed. It's important for all of us to band together to keep everybody aware of when these people do start making those raids. Right. I mean, and, you know, I understand it's a difficult thing to ask anybody to do, but it's kind of our responsibility to do what we can to stand up for these people. It is our responsibility. Just because stepping in the middle of it might be illegal doesn't mean it's immoral. Like Exactly. You have to do the, the moral thing in this situation, which yeah. is not to hand these people over. Like, it is... What's happening is so sad. Yeah. yeah. It's just so sad. And there's just a better way to go about it. There mm-hmm. just is. Yeah, there has to be. Yeah. Oh, um, fucking vague. Okay. So I have one more thing to talk about. When the Mueller report came out, it was something like 448 pages. So it was super long. People were not reading it. And because of that, there was a, and because of the William Barr um, summary of the Mm. report, which was basically like, it's fine. The president didn't do anything. Um, Because of that, there was a lot of confusion about what was in the report, and it kind uh-huh. of allowed news outlets to make up whatever they wanted. Right. So this person, Robert uh, Schenken, okay. Robert Schenken, <laughs> Sounds he good to me. wrote a play that is basically it just took the Mueller report and just pulled from the Mueller report. So yeah. it's essentially a live reading of the Mueller report. Love it. So a lot of famous actors, including Annette Benning, Kevin Klein, John Lithgow, Alfred Woodard, Justin Long, Alyssa Milano, they all performed a live reading of this play called The Investigation, A Search for the Truth in Ten Acts. 
and it was based on the Mueller report. And when I say based on, I realize that that can make it sound like it's fictionalized. Right. They essentially took the Mueller report it's and based, created a live reading of it. Yeah, it's based on I it think, because it's not doing the entire thing, probably. You know? Yes. I mean, it's 448 pages, but it That'd is a 10-act play. That's true. <laughs> so it is a very long play. Uh, but the performance was live-streamed by LawWorks, which is an organization dedicated to defending the nonpartisan role of the Department of Justice. Mm-hmm. So this play uh, shows that President Trump li- likely obstructed justice and that President Trump's campaign not only knew about Russia, but wanted them to win. And it was a one-night-only event, but if you Google search it, you can find it and you can watch the live stream of oh, the performance so cool. of it. Which I think is super, super cool because it was very difficult for the layperson who's busy. You're busy. I'm busy. We don't have time necessarily yeah. to sit down and read this report in its entirety or it's to understand dense. it. Yeah. And so we need a way to make it more palatable to yeah. us and easier to digest. And, you know, I suggested if you want to hear more about it, go find that Behind the Bastards episode on it. Um, yep. Or watch this live stream uh, because, you know, here's some of your favorite actors doing a reading, essentially, of the Mueller report, which is really, yeah. really cool. That's a great idea. So, you know how every other week there's, like, something with the Kardashians that's just bullshit and everyone gets really mad about it? Yes. So Kim Kardashian West came out with a line of shapewear called Kimono. Why? (laughs) So before we do that, why would you call it that? Right. So first off, this is supposed to be a shapewear for all skin tones made for different um types of dresses like for uh, like you know a slit up the leg dress there's one that's you know more like underwear there's one that's more kind of like a like a biker short kind of bra deal and she has called it like i said kimono and people of course are up in arms um because it is a obviously culturally significant garment in japan and people are very upset about it. But not only is she using that word as her brand, it's reported that she has filed to trademark kimono along what with an idiot. Along with Why kimono body, kimono solution wear, kimono world, and kimono intimates. I don't understand why she thought this was a good idea. At this point, I just have to assume that she wanted to create outrage because why else would you do this? Like, she has been called to the carpet for cultural appropriation so many fucking times now. Yeah. It's insane to me. Yeah. Like, why would she call it that? And then also, I've seen the pictures of her (laughs) advertisements. It it might be made for all body types, but she sure didn't advertise it that way. No, it's they all look like her. Yeah, they all look like her. Every yeah. every person I've yeah. seen advertising for this shapewear has her body type. Exactly. And so it says the trademarks covered a ton of things ranging from lingerie and luggage to fragrances and whips. Does that mean um, cars or or I mean, is it is she going to have a BDSM line? Like I don't understand. I don't Not that know. I'm mad about it. No. Just like I don't understand why she would call it that. I don't know, man. They are so bizarre. I truly yeah. think that that level of fame is a mental illness. It is. Like, I think once you've been that famous for that long, you just completely lose touch with, touch yeah. with reality. Did you hear about what they named their new kid? 
What was it? Remind me. They had a kid recently and they named him Psalm, as in like the book of Psalms. Yeah. In the Bible. Yeah. And his middle name is Ye. Yeah, I saw that. Psalm Ye. Psalm Ye. Psalm Ye West. Nope. Why? <laughs> nope. Not a fan. I don't like it. Not a fan. So there's been a hashtag that's come out since then in um, kind of retort to all of this, which is hashtag Kim Oh No. Like, oh, no. Yeah. So, and it's kind of uh, showed, you know, this is a kimono, not your underwear, that kind of thing. And people standing up for all of that. And she just recently went under fire a bit for her new body makeup line, um, which is, I think that, you know, for people who would like to cover up certain things about their bodies, you know, you can do what you want to do. But, um the woman Jamila Jamil from um, Iway on Instagram and Twitter says, hard pass. Goddamn, the work to take off all this before bed so it doesn't destroy your sheets. I'd rather just make peace with my million stretch marks and eczema. Taking off my mascara is enough of a pain in the arse. Save money and time and give yourself a damn break. So, you know, if you want to cover your body with makeup, you can cover your body with makeup. But there are a lot of there was a lot of backlash on that as well. But I think that the important thing to focus on is the cultural appropriation that she has with this shapewear and yeah, how I, it, how not inclusive it is. And it's just I don't you know, because I mean, honestly, the idea of the shapewear, it it's cool. I, yeah, I saw some it's of her fine. things and I'm like, as someone who will wear shapewear under my dresses, on occasion, it is hard if you're trying to wear something that has like slits up the up the thigh, or you're yeah, like, it's a good idea. You know, wearing something with a low back. It's nice that she's making shapewear for different kinds of dresses. I just don't understand. She, I feel like she's trying to be deliberately provocative by being insensitive. Well, I feel like she's doing she's it on purpose. I just to. don't see how this was an accident. Yeah, you know. But think about who she's married to—a person who I feel like is purposefully. Um, politically incorrect and wants to push the envelope you know I, I think that those two are a match made in heaven sometimes because of the way that they both kind of just like do these things for recognition and for money and I think that they're being culturally significant in some way or pushing the envelope when really they're just being incredibly insensitive you know yeah yeah I agree yeah well what are you gonna do yeah I mean nothing <laughs> I'm not going to do anything. They are the ones with the money. So. Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, this is America and capitalism rules. It sure does. So your mom submitted a story to us. She did. She did. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? And we recorded the, her story last week. I'm going to insert it at the end of this episode. Uh, but do you want to maybe talk about that just really quickly? Yeah, I would love to. So... Um, my mom sent us in an email, which is, um, she's done it a few times before. You guys know how obsessed she is with this show and with Keegan and I and everything like that. But um, I wasn't expecting it and she sent it and it was something that was um, very moving to me. And, and, and you're going to hear in the recording that we did earlier um, all the things I felt about it. But it, it was definitely a surprise, very moving, and, I, and I'm and i really proud of her for what she did and what she has to say, and um, I hope that you guys all feel the same way and are encouraged to uh, support her and other people who have kind of gone through the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. So we got some listener mail from my mom. 
Yay! And I think I think she sent in maybe one other thing before that we've read on the show, but I can't remember. I can't either, but I'm sure she has. I think, but it's not it's not often. I, and I ask her a lot, you know, when we have things like motherhood and fatherhood episodes to send stories in, and she's always like, "Oh, I don't I don't even know what I would say," that kind of thing. But she, as you all know, is a very avid listener, and she sent us this email. And when I saw her name show up on our email, I was like, I've got to be in the wrong, like, account. There's no way, like, what is this? And it it, it just really, really touched me. And I want to read it to you all and uh, just kind of share what she said. Hi, Keegan and Madigan. I'm sending you this email because calling Maddie and telling her my story would only cause me more stress. This is easier. Oh, and I am long-winded, so feel free to edit this if you share it with your listeners. Here goes. Having lived in Minnesota all my life, I was never called for jury duty. I've lived in Idaho now for four years, and I was summoned a few weeks ago. At the time, I thought it would be something I should do and really actually wanted to do. I filled out the questionnaire and was accepted for a trial that was starting in a few weeks. They thought the trial would last... They thought the trial would last two weeks. No problem. Until I started talking to people about jury duty and found out I would not be able to have a notebook and pen or my crochet work while sitting in the jury box. Having had anxiety issues most of my life and being hospitalized when I was younger, I started worrying about it. What would I do with my hands? Could I sit still? For anyone who has an anxiety disorder knows these are huge issues. I've been treated for anxiety my whole life and have been handling it well for years, but this jury jury duty started weighing on me more and more the closer the trial date came. So the night before the trial was to start, all the jurors are supposed to call in and listen to a recording, letting us know if the trial was canceled and to not appear the next day. Hallelujah, it had been canceled. Mama's doing good again. Until last Friday, when another summons came in the mail, Oh, shit. I can't go through this again. I called the courthouse and was told I would have to email the judge to explain why I needed to be excused. I did. I stated my history of anxiety and how I felt I could not perform my duties as a juror. I received an email back saying the judge wanted a letter from my doctor as to my mental health. This seemed, this seemed reasonable, so I contacted my doctor and explained to her nurse what I needed and why. She returned my call the next day, saying my doctor said no. She would not send the letter because the judge never accepted these letters as valid anyway. This is where the problem begins. I was outraged that the doctor I've seen for four years and who is treating me for my anxiety disorder would not advocate for me when my voice was not enough. I told the nurse she did not understand and asked if she had anyone in her family or friend with a mental health issue. She said yes. I told her she should know better then. In the world today, this issue has gone misunderstood and mistreated. At this point, I'm not even speaking for myself anymore. I'm 68 years old and I have insurance and thought I would be treated better. What about all the people out there who are young, who can't afford insurance and have no and have no one there to help them speak for them? I told my doctor's nurse to tell my doctor I am very disappointed in her and I am disappointed in all doctors who have patients with mental health and do not advocate for them when their voices are not enough. At this point, she said she would talk to my doctor immediately and get the letter sent. I did not bother to say thank you. She did send the letter, and I was excused from jury duty. That conversation has been hard to let go of. I hope you share this with your listeners, and maybe we can find people out there who can and are willing to help with the mental health issues in our country, and maybe, someday, those who suffer will not have to be treated like this anymore. I believe we can be 
that we can all be part of the change. Your podcast, Madigan and Keegan, has taught me so much more than I ever thought there was to learn. I am grateful for that and enjoy the passion and compassion you two have in presenting the topics we all need to know about and grow from. Thank you. And thanks for reading this drawn-out story that I needed to tell. Love you both. Liz, a.k.a. Maddie's mom. So, (laughs) I was telling Keegan how when I when I started reading the email I got a bit offended and hurt that I I knew my mom was called for jury duty and she made it seem like it was more of an inconvenience and she had to go out of town she didn't know she could you know do it with her time frame and I was like yeah if you can get out of it get out of it you know it wasn't it wasn't a huge conversation and she's a person who you would never guess experiences anxiety and I forget a lot of times that it's something she still struggles with because she doesn't discuss it and I think a lot of times our parents try to protect themselves especially from their kids and their loved ones so that they don't worry Mm -hmm. and my mom is the person that everybody calls in our family for support she drove back and forth to Minnesota multiple times this year when my cousin my second cousin died her best friend in the world and um to hear her say that it would be less stressful to email was a a bit of a hurt to me. But as I read it, I realized more and more that it wasn't about me and um, my reaction, but more about how my mom felt the most comfortable um, explaining the situation that she still really wanted me to be aware of and know about. And the fact that I have a 68-year-old mother who is not even focusing on herself and her own issues, but the fact that she wants to better the next generation and somebody who's less fortunate is something that I feel really blessed to have as a role model and as a mom. And I hope that this story can speak to a lot of people, as I think it will, because we have a lot of listeners who have sent in their mental health stories, and everybody knows somebody, just like that woman she spoke to on the phone where we can become more aware of how people are treated when they have a mental health issue and how it's not taken as seriously. Yeah, I think that there's still a huge misunderstanding about what anxiety and depression is, and I think that that a lot of that stems from people misusing those terms and Mm -hmm. those words, and I think that that is, when we talked about ableism uh, and that episode, I think that that is such a a huge reason why you should not misuse words like that when you don't mean that you are actually anxious, when you don't mean that you are actually depressed. And you can be anxious. That doesn't mean that you have an anxiety disorder. Like, being anxious is something that we've all felt, but there is something different. Or or saying, oh, I had a panic attack this morning. Like, that's not something to take lightly. Well, because language matters, and every time that you misuse those words, it undermines whenever somebody really needs to use that word. Yeah. Um, And that's something to definitely keep in mind. It's so part of our culture and our zeitgeist to say the word depressed when you're not actually depressed. Yeah. You know, yeah, um, that's one that's always been tough to me when I've had to, um, I, I was talking to you again before we recorded about how, how physically, um, my depression takes over my life, you know, it makes me more tired. I can't participate in life. It's not just a mental thing. It's, it's a physical all encompassing 
thing that it's it's chronic for me. I have chronic depression. I'm going to go through it for the rest of my life, and I have to be on medication. And it's tough when someone says something about panic attacks or depression so flippantly because then when I bring it up, I feel like I have to explain myself. Right. And I have to validate it by That's saying, exactly look, this right. is a chronic thing. I'm on medication XYZ for people to take me seriously. Right. We need to change the conversation around how we talk about mental health, especially anxiety and depression, because yeah. those two things get used. You you shouldn't tell people you're OCD when you're not. Or you shouldn't bipolar. tell people you're bipolar when you're not. You know, they're... And I understand that it's just become synonymous with with other things in our yeah. culture, but we need to shift the focus of what that means. Yeah. So thank you so much, Liz, for writing your story in. We yeah. really appreciate it. It means a lot to us that you would feel comfortable with um, us and our community to share that with us. Um, yeah. It's very, very special. So yeah. thank you so much. I love you, Mom. All right, so you guys, you still have a little bit of time to send in your coming out stories. Not a whole lot. We ended up postponing our episode for that a little bit. So if you'd like to send those in, any Sister Solidarity stories, any other messages that you'd like to send us, episode ideas, the list goes on. Feel free to email us at neighborhoodfeminists at gmail.com. You can catch us where it's at on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. Feel free to find us on Twitter at Yamf Podcast, Y-A-N-F Podcast. Wow. Y-A-N-F podcast. That was really hard to do live. It, it's very it was really hard. Um, let's see. Oh, we have a Facebook business page and a group page. We really love it when you rate and view us on our Facebook page. We love it even more when you rate and view us on Apple Podcasts. Um, we did recently get a Facebook review, did we not? We got a Facebook review, and actually, we just got a new review on Apple Podcasts. (gasps) Gonna check it out now. Thank you guys so much for doing that. It makes us so happy. We really appreciate it. Um, We also really love it when you listen on Radio Public. It's a free way for you to listen to us, and it helps us out just a little bit, and it makes us very, very happy. And I believe that is all we have to cover, right? Yeah, I think so. Wonderful. With all that being said, we encourage you to rage on. Bye. Bye. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.